0: it's terrific tantalizing tuesday no i'm just kidding two kingdom tuesday you know it stay with me it has been a while since we have looked at our Escondido theology. It's uh, a few episodes back now uh, that we started to lay the foundation for looking at um, the specific chapter that uh, Frame writes against Klein in the Escondido theology, a reformed response to two kingdom theology by John Frame published by Whitfield, which is um, an interesting choice, but there it is. Um, now I've said a lot about introductions to this book so i'm going to try not to do any of that go back check it out um pretty much uh, all the two kingdom tuesdays uh, have dealt with that at some level um but we want to as i said focus in on this one particular you know interaction with Klein's kingdom prologue as part of this greater book it forms a two kingdom tuesday slot not so much because the, every point in the material that he deals with um uh, Klein stuff is necessarily explicitly related to two kingdom theology but it does it is seen to form the ultimate foundation so Klein at least frame reckons that if he can critique Klein uh, he really gets at the the granddaddy of the movement so to speak and uh, gets at the foundational exegesis and you know to that degree I think he's right 100% I mean Klein when we're thinking not of two kingdom, like every kind of two kingdom doctrine, but reformed two kingdom theology, uh, it is true without a doubt that while there might be some Lutheran influences here and there, really the big thing is coming from Klein's exegesis. So, uh, everything I've said, and there've been a few episodes prior to this, but everything I've said has essentially been prolegomena to what we are going to start now, which is pretty exciting. And that is to look at the actual critique. Um, so with that in mind, um, we start with the covenant um, in Genesis 1-3. to So hopefully if you are following along with Meredith Mondays and uh, you've tracked along in Chris's book, you'll be nicely equipped to deal with this as we look at um, what Frame has to say about it. Um, he starts by examining Klein's definition of a covenant. Um, and really, I'm not going to repeat much of what we see here because essentially he's just quoting from Klein and, uh, uh, we've quoted from Kahi who quotes from Klein. So, uh, you know, consult those Meredith Mondays and, uh, we've dealt well with those de- definitions. Um, essentially he has no problem with those definitions at all. Um, well at least, uh, nothing explicit at this point anyway, in the beginning of the critique, um, but um, we reach our our first bit of, or maybe I should even say before we get there, um, he even acknowledges the fact that um, though Klein is speaking of a covenant, according to this definition he's just laid out in the first few chapters of Genesis, and it's not even that the, the word covenant is there, um Frame's okay with that because he understands how it works and he um, is a Reformed theologian and uh, and he uh, is willing to allow that. Um, so I think that becomes actually a key point as we move on because it might be a little bit inconsistent that Frame does allow that in light of what he says uh, down the line. But um, where we hit the hot water is where we reach uh, this issue of, of uh, promise that is held out before. Adam. Interestingly enough, and this is, I mean, it's, you know, Klein is just developing what is quite standard um, in terms of uh, Reformed theology. I do, I am aware that there are some who would uh, disagree with the idea that life was held out before Adam, that if he had You know, it succeeded in his probation, then he would have entered into eschatological glory. Um, But the reality is, that's not a whole bunch of people. And actually, everyone kind of agrees with that. So I'm quite surprised that Frame um, takes exception to this. But he, um, quoting from Klein, so I'm going to read Klein now from Frame. He says, uh, By virtue, this is Klein speaking, by virtue of his creation in the image of God, man under the original covenant had the status of ruler uh, of the earth under God a glory that reflected the dominion exercised in the heavenly court by God and the angelic hosts. Um, As image of God, man also possessed the ethical glory of a state of simple righteousness with the prospect of moving on to the greater glory of confirmed righteousness. Now, you can see frame is just getting... Increasingly uncomfortable. Uh, And then, certainly by this sentence, uh, we're off the charts. And a further promise of man's image status was that of transformation into the likeness of the epiphanic light. Man was given the hope of an eschatological glorification that would change him into a transfigured glory image of the radiant glory spirit. So, you have a little chuckle there if you know Klein, and uh, that's classic Kleinian. Uh, language. Um, But leaving all those uh, interesting little technicalities aside, basically the the whole thing, as Frame says, in the last three sentences of of what I've just quoted, I believe that Klein goes beyond this text. He says, Uh, I'm willing to grant that the Sabbath ordinance promises Adam some kind of additional blessing that would relate to his Present existence as it relates to the workday, uh, or at least to the uh, yeah to the workday. But there is nothing in Genesis one and two to suggest that the blessing uh, consists of a confirmed righteousness, or that Adam's physical appearance would change into a greater glory. Klein gives no evidence for these assertions. I presume he's extrapolating from blessings of a redemptive covenant. So, and, and um, you know, I, I think that's so important what he says there because the basic critique here is that Klein's going beyond the text. Um, Now, you know, the immediate knee-jerk to that is that, yes, he is. Of course, Klein is going beyond the text, and uh, this is the whole thing with his theology. And it is part of his theological method. So at that level, frame is correct, I think, in assessing this as a methodological issue. Um, Klein, as we know, is reading from the theology of Romans 5, 2nd Adam. It's part of his greater theological system to then read uh, those blessings extrapolated from the Redemptive Covenant later on. Um, and uh, back into the first Adam thing under that rubric that Paul gives us. And um, again, all the stuff that we talk about on um, on Meredith Monday um, and Chris's book, we're going through that stuff right now. So it's just all, you know, I think a legitimate way to do that. I've, I've mentioned, we've just talked about the system issue or the method issue at least. Uh, so go back to the previous one uh, on Two Kingdom Tuesday. Uh, I think his... You know, Frame does say that this is an example of of Klein sort of tying themes in Scripture too tightly, um, and you know, tighter than Scripture themselves uh, or itself would uh, allow or do. And uh, we've already spoken about that. I've said, you know, the reality is any systematician of any sort, any theologian of any sort, does have to do this, and it's it's really the the work of the theologian to do this. Um, um, I think Frame himself. Uh, I'm pretty sure, for example, that if I had to, you know, trail through frames, systematic theology, I'd find a ton of that, where it's not in the text, but he's he's working with the system, he's reading back in based on the legitimacy of the system, or the postulated legitimacy of the system, at least, but, um, you know, that in itself, while it's a methodological crit- critique... Um, doesn't really render the, the issue void. And, you know, interestingly enough, Frame himself acknowledges that, which is good. This is kind of one of the reasons I like Frame. He's onto it. He does acknowledge that. He just wants to point it out. He says, listen, we are now into the the the, the, the Kleinian method um, and we just need to be aware of that because he's not made the point from the text. So, you know, at that level, you can take the point. Uh, it doesn't really argue anything either way. What actually kind of... Um, is interesting, and maybe undoes Frame's point a little bit, is that he himself, um, as I just read, is willing to concede some sort of blessing to be on offer beyond the probation based on the workday into rest Sabbath pattern. Um, And, you know, that's not in the text strictly either. You have to extrapolate that from other things as well. In fact, one might argue that you have to use the very same hermeneutic and Theological method that Klein does to come up with his point for Frame to concede the point that he does. So really, I, you know, at best they're only a different matter of degrees. And where Frame critiques Klein's method, he doesn't really provide an alternative, uh, realizing he has to stick within the reform system, at least not in this chapter. So, you know, there there is something uh, to consider as we get started here. But moving on. Yeah, much of the same objection come from frames concerning um from frame at least concerning Cl- klein's claim whew, that's a tongue twister concerning klein's claim that the garden covenant was a covenant of works dependent on human merit and uh if you were uh if you heard uh when was it yesterday's um episode then you'll know that we chatted a little bit more about that in the uh, early uh, early klein versus later klein and uh the way that that works and the the uh, priority of the law and the works principle and all that stuff in Meredith Monday. So again, I'm not going to try and recap on that stuff because we've hit it in other shows. But uh, he, what, what Frame is essentially taking exception with here is is saying that, you know, uh, this idea of merit and uh, do this and live and all of that stuff that Klein majors on is uh, not in the text either. Uh, now, Frame says that's an imposition on the text. That's, um, that's a problem um so all i'm doing there is i'm just going to say well exactly what we've just said needs to be echoed because um you know it's one thing to say that we can't impose things on the text um and it's another thing to you know yourself um you know, let's put it this way, if, if he needed to do that, if that would be a valid critique, he would need to offer another way to go about this, the, the process of formulating a reformed covenant theology, which I don't think he does, he, t- he just basically does the same thing at a lesser level. And so, everyone is imposing something on the text based on their system. That's that's a good thing. Uh, the Bible itself, I think, calls us to do that. You know, the Bible doesn't give you every detail all the time. It calls you to read the whole, understand the system, and interpret in light of the system. So you know, everyone's got to do that, and that's not it's that's not an issue. Uh, on its own, the re- really, you know, in order for this critique to be powerful at this level, I would say the frame would have to say, here's the problem with the actual system that Klein is imposing, rather than impose, or rather than object to the fact that some sort of system is being imposed. Um, and so that's uh, something that is um, immediately coming up as a problem for me reading through Frame's um, critique of Klein. Um, what's interesting also is that he says, and this is relevant to yesterday's, um, this uh, episode, uh, he says that this is not, this imposition upon the text is not typical of Klein's earlier work. And, you know, at best what he means there is Klein was quite a ruthless exegete. He didn't allow, um, any un or invalid system to be imposed. He didn't just do that just because that was a reformed dogmatic method. Uh, that's true. Klein, I don't, I don't think that changed, um, but I do agree that that um, that Klein was 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 pretty exemplary in that he wanted his system to flow from his exegesis and then be be imposed back on, uh, based on uh, accuracy of, of exegesis. That's fine. Interestingly enough, though, Klein's earlier work, um, if anything, even more agree uh, disagrees with what um, Klein is saying. Here, and that really, as we said yesterday, the whole thing was um, governed by this merit. Uh, works principle uh if anything uh the 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 grace thing uh, as Klein developed it later um the grace principle only only came about later so I'm not sure exactly how um referring to Klein's earlier work is even helpful it probably just makes the problem worse um but at that's you know you're sort of going okay well Frame's already just totally against everything but then he says something surprising he says um while he's not keen on Klein's method um he is you know basically he doesn't that he recognizes that that doesn't necessarily render it not present there <laughs> so again like everything i've just said this is why i keep reading frame because you know he trails you along and he shows you he gets it he does understand what he's doing and um and He says, all right, well, you know, now that that's out of the way and I've just alerted everyone to, you know, the fact that nothing necessarily flows from, um, you know, Klein's argument from the text itself. Now, I actually agree. (laughs) He says he agrees. There is obviously some sort of merit there um, and interestingly does the same thing wrong again in that he he sort of, he uses other texts to prove the point. He goes beyond the text himself to just make that concession. So really you have two spirals of the same problem, I would say. Um, you know, showing an element of, of, of legitimacy in, in just understanding the way it all works and then just kind of, I'm not sure if he's aware of this or not, but he just basically um, kind of contradicts himself or at least lets his critique fall flat in, in doing the same thing Klein does right after critiquing him. Um, and so I find that interesting, but, um, basically one of the things that happens then is that he, um, he wants to agree with Klein, uh, regarding the reality of merit in the garden. And he's even willing to say, well, you know, and the second Adam, same thing if he would have, well, if the first Adam would have merited, um, hell essentially, um, if he had disobeyed as he did um, and if he had lived that would have merited rewards and this is certainly true of Christ who merits rewards but then he he gets a little bit too tweaky on this he goes uh, well it's kind of like you know believers merit rewards in Christ and it's kind of like everyone in Adam merits um, uh, condemnation for um, their, their disobedience and so it just takes it that one step out and now we're not so much into that federal representation quite as sharply as as Klein has us and that I think is going to start tracing a theme that leads to kind of a nebulous grace law mix yet with important caveats and that's which helps frame and keeps him from going completely off the radar uh, for me, anyway, um, and we'll trace that out, and I'll get there um, when we get there in the book. But uh, it's helpful to see that up front. He's sort of uh, he wants to go. Okay, I kind of agree, and um, let's just let's just relax. And that doesn't necessarily say there's no grace at all. And maybe this doesn't even apply only to the federal heads, and maybe this doesn't allow for the sharp country uh, uh, at least contrast. Um, between the what Klein wants to call a covenant of works and a covenant of grace, certainly Frame wants to think of it more as uh, in mono-covenantal terms, um, but not entirely so. Again, with with important caveats, Frame's uh, position is highly nuanced and very difficult, uh, I think, and um, and that keeps him safe. I think it keeps him from just being completely dismissed. Um, and it does keep his critique on the table so um here's what just to round all of that up um if you kind of drifted away there at best so far uh, because what he's going to do is just give a whole lot of A lot of really challenging points um the next the next one we'll look at is yeah it's interesting uh definitely a lot of stuff to think about there um and some of the stuff i'm not sure i have any kind of answer to but um so far at best what we can say is this i think frame serves us well any kleinian uh in cautioning us and just any christian from treating our systematizing with the same degree of comfort and authority as perhaps our exegesis Uh, and there is a human interpretation element involved in all of that so it's not like exegesis is pure and systematics is is just impure or something like that but um it is also true that at, at our systems level, we're just that one step removed from the text. We're not hugging the text quite as closely. We, there's a greater potential of just reading stuff in and resorting to logic rather than a strict textual exegesis. So we have to keep that in mind. That's a good point. And um, if Frame is doing nothing more than just highlighting that and going, "Well, here's where frames uh, here's where uh, here's where we were both systematizing," so just let's all just keep that in mind. I think that's fair enough. Um, Secondly, frame shows, I think, it started to show, at least, and we'll see this develop, another softer option for the systematization uh, of these texts, which, you know, fair enough, the reader should consider um, especially because of the implications that that has for all of life and worldview and everything as it does in two kingdom theology. Um, so at that level, fair enough again, frame just shows, okay, listen, I'm also dealing with these passages. I'm also covenantal. I'm showing you a softer way of systematizing uh, those texts uh, which maybe provide le- lean less on the system itself. Um, let's give them that even. Thirdly, uh, frame I think provides a constantly needed caution against oversimplification into categories that are potentially too rigid for the later themes of scripture. Um, I, you know, Kleinians can get excited. Klein is exciting stuff uh, to read his books. I mean, you just you're ready to build. You're ready to build on what he says, and I think it's a point well taken to just pay hey, make sure you're not presuming a very rigid distinction that uh, that you think provides an adequate f- foundation for, for later things, when in fact your foundation is a little bit, uh, or, or at least you're, you're uh, building on something that's not quite as sure as you thought it was. So it's just that ongoing sense of caution that frame provides. I think probably for me so far, that's basically the big um, value of reading frame. It's just that constant critical eye not to accept in this case, Klein or any two kingdom guy uncritically, you know, even at that level, I take the point. I think that's good. We've talked about that before as well. At worst, right? If we're we're thinking about this critique in um, in terms of its uh, problems, well, I think um, Frame's methodological criticism falls flat in that he um, right up front fails to provide an alternative that stays within the the bounds of the agreed upon reformed orthodoxy, so to speak, and um, and so really critiques and then does the same thing at a lesser level. That's not very convincing. Secondly, he is, uh, I think, being needlessly critical of the method, uh, which is implicit in the first point there. Uh, I think he probably, I mean, uh, for the critique to stand or be forceful, he should have just gone straight into uh, acknowledging, hey, we're all we're all reading something in here. Let's look at the legitimacy of what client is um, reading in. So jump into an exposition of Romans 5. That would be, if you want to stick to the text, that would be, leg- you know, if you can show how Romans 5 is actually not to be read into um, the first few chapters of Genesis as uh, a system and a paradigm for understanding what's going on by way of the two atoms, well, then, you know, you've got something to work with. But um, he doesn't do that. So, um, you know, there are going to be other elements of the book that he does come at that angle. But in terms of this critique, um, that would be one weakness I'm seeing. And then thirdly and finally, uh, because I just want to keep this thing kind of punchy, uh, he potentially, I think, muddies the water uh, with a with with nuances concerning merit and... Um, and the the presence of merit, and yet not quite a merit workspace principle that I think is going to allow for the creeping in of a confusion between law and gospel. Ultimately, again, he puts in enough caveats to save himself, but I think that less careful people that follow him will get into real trouble. But again, that's kind of setting it up for future episodes. Um, that is really where the nub is going to lie. Um, but that's our two kingdom escondido theology framework's Klein wrap-up for the day so i hope you enjoyed that and um i realize this is pretty darn nerdy stuff so i'm gonna keep it short punchy and let you get on to whatever wednesday trust you have a great day and i'll speak with you soon